Hi, this is Peter Van Dusen, founder of Brain Trainer International, and you're listening to the Neuro Noodle Network Podcast. Welcome to Neuro Noodle's Neurofeedback and Neuropsychology Podcast, featuring our neuropsychologists, Dr. Laura Janssens, Dr. Skip Wren, and neurofeedback legend Jay Gunkelman. Our goal is to provide information and promote options for better mental health. This is an all-star cast. I'm more than happy to share their knowledge with you. My name is Pete, and today we have on the show Peter Van Dusen, founder of Brain Trainer. Peter Van Dusen has been training brains and developing trainers and training systems for nearly 30 years through his company, Brain Trainer International. BTI's approach is unique in its focus on training to change brain habits rather than treating pathologies. Its philosophy is you don't have to be sick to want to get better. Pete began training his own brain, experiencing lasting changes, leading him to begin working with others and developing attention development programs, or ADPs. ADPs focus on practical training without diagnosing, proved very popular and successful, and it grew to four centers in Metro Atlanta over the decade of the 90s. After moving to Miami in 2001, he began providing hands-on workshops 200 days a year. Starting 2002, Braintrainer.com began offering an integrated cost-effective package of hardware, software, and education. In 2007, he settled in Brazil, where he started a network that has grown to more than 400 clinicians. From that base, BTI now has distributors in Latin America, Brazil, the EU, the Pacific Rim. It continues to refine its integrated training system used by more than 1,000 professional and lay trainers based on a unique assessment tool and sophisticated, easy-to-use training software. Before we get to Peter, we'd like to thank our Patreon supporters, Out- Outrageous Baking, Tor Talk, Interested Brain Hacker, and Sadia M. Outrageous Baking is a dedicated gluten-free bakery that has been around for 15 years. And Tor Talk wants more people to discover text-to-speech, or TTS, because listening to text can increase efficiency and reduce stress. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the word out. If they can't hear us, we can't help them. Okay, let's get Peter in from the green room. He's been sitting in there for a while. Hopefully he didn't eat all the green M&Ms. Peter, thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. I appreciate the chance to be here. Elephant in the room. How does a guy with no clinical background decide to get involved with a field like neuroscience? Well, I got into brain training after 14 years of working in healthcare as a CEO, being sent into failing hospitals to turn them around. I was pretty successful in that job because I learned how to see the institution, not just from the owner's point of view, but I focused on how patients, families, their community, employees and managers, as well as the medical staff saw the institution meeting their needs. So once I could find a vision for a different way of operating and get the various groups to buy into it, the changes were amazing. In 1990, I left hospital management and formed a company consulting with clinicians in private practice. My last client was a PhD psychologist who was also an electrical engineer, and he hired me to work with him as he was trying out a new technology called neurofeedback. In preparing for that, I went up and took a workshop with Dr. Joel Lubar. I was the only non-clinician in the class, but I fell in love with this different way of looking at people and the changes that they wanted to make in their lives. So I'd never been diagnosed with anything, but I started training my own brain after hours. 
there were lasting positive effects in a bunch of areas, even though I was just doing it myself. I also saw the effect on clients. And I realized that the true goal of brain training was the same as what I had been doing in hospitals, to act as an agent to help systems that were not working for their participants to make the often simple changes that would transform them in areas where problems had been identified and in areas that nobody thought to mention, those changes that just happened as a result of training were literally life-changing. So at the end of the year-long trial, I bought the system from the psychologist and I began learning to work with it myself. Tell us about Brain Trainer. Brain Trainer is a company that's gone through a variety of stages. Uh, It began as attention development programs, actually working with hundreds of uh, kids and their families without labeling them, focusing on the positive. People would ask me, can you train, can you fix my kids ADHD? And I would say, no, I can't, but I can help him learn to focus better and to control his behavior without taking meds. They would say, are you an MD or a PhD? And I would say, no, if you want a name for your problems, go see a psychologist. If you want medications, see a psychiatrist. But if you want to change things in your life, then come to me. I'm like a personal trainer for your brain. You do the work, you take the credit, I help you figure out what to do to make it happen. Then I moved to Miami in 2001 and ADP became the learning curve. I focused on teaching others to use the brain trainer system. I discovered that the confusion of what to buy and how to make it work was a major block for many people interested in getting started. So we set up brain-trainer.com and began selling integrated cost-effective systems to people who wanted to train with us. An important part of that was developing a simple, powerful assessment that was focused on what the trainer and the client really needed to know. So that is where to put the electrodes, what to train up and what to train down. In my mind, that period of the 90s was and the early 2000s was the golden age of neurofeedback. There were a hundred different approaches, lots of hands-on trainers trying new things. The internet was new enough that it was possible to be in touch with almost everyone and learn from them informally. And there were some wide open conferences that brought together all the various players and their different points of view. First time I met Jay Gunkelman, I walked up to him uh, in a cafeteria at the Winter Brain Conference and asked if I could sit down and have lunch with him. And we got to know each other at that point. You could get a whole education chatting with people in the corridors or at lunch. So the science was not, as they say today, settled. And I learned from everyone, including the people I was teaching in my workshops and kept adding things to our system. Then in 2007, when I moved to Brazil with my wife to care for her aging parents, BTI entered its next stage. We had already developed brain trainers throughout the EU, the US, Canada, Australia, and even a few in Southeast Asia and Africa. We shifted from hands-on workshops to video training and online support, 
And BTI began building a network of trainers in Brazil that now has, as you mentioned before, more than 400 clinicians in it. Based on that experience in around 2019, we began to set up distributors. So we set up, worked with a company in Brazil, another in uh, Mexico, which deals with Latin America, one in the EU and one in Australia and New Zealand. They sell and train the brain trainer system in their home countries and their languages. Uh, they develop their own workshops. They figure out how to operate in their regulatory and economic environments. And our assessment, which is a part of the, what everybody sells, can now be performed in English, Portuguese, Spanish, German, and Italian. And it's being developed in other languages as well. Over the past four years, BTI has refined the training system. So we've selected high quality, low cost hardware, developed our own software and assessment and simplified the process of putting on electrodes and getting a good signal, uh, as well as adding special training protocols that our trainers have developed and tested. In each change that we've made, we aim to improve the quality uh, for the, of the experience for the clients to make it easier for the trainer to use and also to reduce the price of our system. We have three major projects underway now that'll continue uh, into the coming year and should become available then. So we've been through several stages over nearly 30 years, but our mission remains pretty much unchanged to make sophisticated, customized, practical brain training accessible to anybody that wants it anywhere in the world. We work with clinicians getting started in the field and some who come to us because they're baffled by the complexity of some of the other systems. But we also work a lot with moms who have autistic kids at home or adopted children with attachment problems. We work with young people, old people, people that just want to function more effectively in their work, their family life, sports, artistic activities, or just their ability to function more at their peak. So I'm 75 now, and my brother keeps asking me why I don't retire. I tell him I really can't imagine doing anything I would enjoy anywhere near as much as I enjoy working in this field. Your, your advances, how about we just call it that, uh, and which is leading to better signals and then conceivably right, better readings and then better training or treatment for the folks coming to see you. Can you talk to us about the better signals you're getting and, and keep it maybe not so tech, right? Maybe if we can go down the middle of the road, cause we have, uh, you know, lay folks and, and technicians listening. Sure. And then the other question is, are you guys doing remote? So you say you can go all around the world. Are you then shipping uh, equipment to folks and walking through it with them, you know, via zoom or what have you? One of the biggest problems that we had with new trainers, whether they were, uh, clinicians who were just getting into the field and surprisingly people who had been in the field for quite a while and certainly with home trainers that had never didn't know anything about neurofeedback the biggest hurdle to them getting started was getting a good signal figuring out where to put the electrodes how to get them on the head so that you were picking up something other than you know sunspots and uh, radio waves and stuff like that 
So we've been through a variety of things, uh, including the electric cap. Uh, the electric cap was was great in terms of being easy to put on, but it's a disaster for people's uh, hair when you try and take it off. And I learned very early on that with adolescents in particular, they didn't care what you do to their heads, but you better not mess up their hair. So when people would come in, you know, and we would do an assessment, I'd say, don't plan on doing anything before you go home and take a shampoo because you're going to look like Spanky from our gang in about 20 minutes. Also, you had to clean the cap, which was kind of a pain. So we spent the last two years developing a system with a neoprene cap that has 26 different sites on it and an electrode assembly that has sponges on top and below and it's soaked in saline and you just pop the electrode assembly into the, the labeled hole on the cap. And because you have the saline, you get a very good connection very quickly. And so people, we literally have people who would have gotten a system three years ago and it would have been a month before they could send us a signal that was usable. Now, the very first time they send us something, it's, it's a clean signal and they know what to look for. The idea yeah. of folks being able to receive equipment like home trainers and, and yes. getting some instruction. Yeah, you get, a, you get a full package of hardware and software, and that includes an online course of the basics, like what's a hertz, what's a microvolt, uh, you know, what does a good signal look like, what's a ground, what's a reference, what are linked references, all, all the technical kinds of things explained in fairly simple terms. And then also information on how to get started with hemoencephalography, which is a part of our system, and how to prepare for doing the assessment. But you also have four hours of online mentoring with one of our master trainers. So you have this manual and you have the course. Some people are able to go all the way through recording the assessment before they need to talk to somebody. Other people need somebody to help them figure out where's the on switch for the computer. What we do is work with them through the point of gathering the assessment data, which is 20 channels, eyes closed, eyes open and task, and, and then sending that to us. We process it through the assessment and produce the training plan and then go over the training plan with the client or with the person that we're working with and show them how they're going to actually implement it in the training software. And then usually there are an hour or two still left so that after they've been through the first cycle of training, they might want to meet again and get some information from the master trainer about why did this happen? What do I do when this happens? And there's also a telegram group and everybody who comes in as a new trainer is in that group. So there's, they're in a community. That's one of the other things that I learned very early on is that being a neurofeedback trainer is one of the loneliest jobs in the world because there ain't nobody around to talk to, you know, and no water cooler, no coffee where you can talk about what's going on. So the ability to go onto the telegram group and say, wow, this just happened with a client or, oh my God, this just happened with a client. What should I do about this? This is how do I get help when this happens with the software? That's been a major piece as well. The caps we have, Dr. Laura, help me out because I'm not the techie here. 
19 channels. And then Peter, you said you had how many sensors on yours? Well, we have the cap has 26 sites. 26. What, uh, okay. So, so the cap has a bunch of holes in it in the right places. They're different size caps so that when you put it on and you set it up properly, T3 and T4 where they're supposed to be and F3 and F4 where they're supposed to be. And then you take your, you usually have seven electrode assemblies already set up. So you put four of those in and plug those in for your active sites. And you have one or two that you're going to use for your reference and one for your ground. And then if, so you might in doing a 20 channel assessment, you might record three minutes one minute of eyes closed, a minute of eyes open, and a minute doing a task for four sites. And then you move the four active electrodes got and it, record it. again. So then they, they'd have to move it four, four times. Four times, yeah. It takes, okay. it takes about 22 to 25 minutes to get a full 20-channel assessment. But that's gathering information on task, which most cues can't do because they're gathering all the data at once. Our places are set up. So for example, we look at F3 and F4 and P3 and P4 at the same time. So we can use a working memory task, which activates F3 and P4 in particular, and see what happens to the brain when you ask it to actually do some work. That's pretty good that they can, the first time that they're putting or you, going through your program, you can get a good uh, signal. That's, that's wild. Yep. It's well, finding that you don't have to find the sites because they're already labeled on the thing. And all you do when you take the electrode assembly out is you dip it back into the salt water for about three seconds, shake it off and put it in the new spot. And the salt water soaks through the hair and gets down to the scalp and forms a nice conductive path. I Got wouldn't it. say it works a hundred percent of the time. I don't know anything that does, but it definitely, uh, Definitely works a very high percentage. So where do you see the field going in the years to come? Well, I think that there are two kind of longstanding trends that would help to help to sort of figure out the answer to that question. Uh, and there's also what I consider to be a very serious risk uh, that, that's facing us in the next few years. The first of the two trends is the history of technologies. We know that over time, new technologies get smaller, less expensive, and more convenient. And so the other thing that's true is that really since the Industrial Revolution, the path of technologies has moved from centralized to decentralized. So in the early 90s, when I started off with neurofeedback, I spent about $3,000 for my amplifier, uh, which would and that time would be about $8,000 in today's money. Uh, and it was about the size of two laptop computers, one on top of each other, but it could only train one channel and it could only read up to 30 Hertz or 30 cycles per second in the brain. And it was so sensitive to electromagnetic noise that if I forgot to turn off the fluorescent lights before I started a session, a five-year-old client would say, hey, you don't have a good signal. You need to turn off the lights. So today, my amplifier, which is a four-channel amplifier, can train four sites at the same time. Uh, and it can train HEG, which is cerebral blood flow. 
it trains frequencies up to 60 cycles per second, and it literally blocks the environmental noise almost completely. It's a little bit bigger than a pack of cigarettes, and it costs less than a thousand bucks. So that's the move of technology. What's been happening, it's even worse in terms of computers. You know, what, what we had at the, back in the 90s with DOS computers, gigantic monitors that it took two people to lift and, and, you know, big giant computers compared to a little laptop now that has 10 times the power and a cell phone, which is even more powerful than that. The thing that's happened also is because of the effect of the lockdowns, we've seen that the move toward decentralization is taking place almost in everything. I mean, I could sit in my apartment here and order a dinner from a restaurant, order stuff from the pharmacy, and it will be delivered to me here at home. That I believe even, even in the area of psychology, of therapists and of MDs, a lot of what is now being done in terms of client or patient work is being done on Zoom like, like we are today. So I think that that's probably gonna continue both of those things. And that leads me to believe that there's a very good chance if somebody can take advantage of it, that neurofeedback or brain training will become a consumer product. As a matter of fact, we're already, we, we're in alpha testing for a headset for HEG. Currently, if you wanna do HEG, which is training your prefrontal cortex, training your executive center to improve your ability to focus and the way we do it also to improve your ability to shift into an open focus state and then learn to move back and forth, it costs you $1,500 for the hardware and the software, and pretty much you'd have to go see a clinician to do it. This, uh, this headset called the State Changer is going to be $350, so a consumer can afford to buy it for his family, and everybody in the family can use it. So instead of only one person getting trained, the whole family can be trained, which helps to shift the homeostasis in the family instead of just having one person that you're trying to get to change. So I think that, that those two things, that's going to be out probably by the beginning of this coming year. And that's the sort of thing that I think is going to make, first of all, make brain training, make much more accessible and make more sense to people who don't quite understand, you know, first time you talk to them, they say, you're going to put wires on my kid's head and do what? especially the kids sometimes ask that. So, so I think it's a good entry. And we're also working on a product that will do the same thing with EEG, except that it will literally be able to cite 19 cent sites when you put it on the head, depending on the size of the head, and will actually scan the brain like you would for a QEEG or as we do for our assessment and determine what are the most important things to train in this brain at this moment, and then re redo that about every four or five minutes. So it's constantly shifting what it's training, and it can train literally any combination of sites on the brain at the same time. So you don't even have to have worry about getting your cap on in the right place or anything like that. And you don't have to worry about pretty much anything. The, 
the software takes care of it. The, the issues that I see as being the big concerns to me are that we're also looking at Facebook. I think Mark Zuckerberg was a little surprised that when he started talking about how clever he was to, to have people uh, you know, getting their dopamine rushes and becoming addicted to his products and wasn't that cool. Surprised that people were upset by that instead of thinking that that was pretty funny. So he's now changed the name of Facebook to Meta and he's going to set up the Metaverse. If you've ever read uh, Snow Crush, you know that that's maybe not something that you'd really like to see happen. But there are a lot of people that I know, especially younger kids who've grown up with a major part of their lives in lockdown, that the idea of being able to sit at home without leaving the house, without leaving your chair and be able to put up, set up your own avatar and have the car that you want your avatar to, wear, to have and the cool clothes and go out and go to clubs and have friends and all that stuff without ever actually meeting anybody in the real world. That sounds pretty scary to me. And Elon Musk's uh, neural link, where you punch a little hole in your skull, stick a chip in there, and the chip actually insinuates itself into your brain through sensors. And then you have the internet available in your brain, which also means your brain is in the internet. And whatever possible last few elements of privacy you might have had, goodbye to those. My belief is that we hopefully we can help people to change their lives with neurofeedback in such a way that they don't feel the need to withdraw from life or to hook themselves up and carry the world, the digital world around inside their heads all the time. I'm a neuropsychologist, as is Skip here. You know, we come in to neurofeedback with some biases. I'll speak about myself. I love what you said earlier about, I think you have this advantage that you're, you're not a psychologist. And I've been told that many times. <laughs> I think that's great because you can kind of, I'll say, get away with, so to speak, it's not my department. If you want to, you know, talk to psychiatry, we have psychiatrists. If you want to you know, get labeled by a psychologist, yeah. go talk to those folks. And so I, I think that that's a great way to come into this. Being at a disadvantage because I am trained and licensed and have all these biases, you know, the questions that, that I tend to have to field from neurologists and, you know, we talked to a psychiatrist a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, their first question to us is, is tell us about the efficacy studies. So I'm curious, how do, how do you feel that question and, and, you know, how do you support kind of what you do or do you, do you feel like you don't have to and you can deflect or how, how do you go about that? Well, it always strikes me as being kind of funny that MDs ask questions about efficacy studies using the medications that they use and knowing what we know about how those studies are performed by the drug companies who make the medications. So what I basically say is we know that the brain is a complex, adaptive, chaotic system. So we know that it forms habitual patterns, which are encoded in the electricity, in, in the electrical signals that operate the brain. And it's possible to change those in one way, and that is with feedback, because the brain is a self-reinforcing system. What we're doing is basically, we do, as uh, I was looking at some of your stuff on, on the site earlier, we start off with a questionnaire, but the questionnaire is largely 
symptoms. We ask people to rate a large range of symptoms from physical issues like sleep and appetite and all those kinds of things up to moods and performance issues and cognitive issues and all those things. Rate them from this is something I really want to change to this is not a problem for me. So we have we start off with a list of maybe 15 or 20 things that are clearly performance issues in that person's life. And then our assessment doesn't use the QEG normative database process. Instead, what we do is we take the research that's been done using the Q to, say, take 10 or 12 anxious people and create a mini database of those people with their means and standard deviations for all the various different measures, and then compare using analysis of variance, compare the anxious database with the quote unquote normative database. And almost always, there are a number of things that appear in that analysis that are commonly found in the anxious people, but almost never in the normative people. For example, anxious people are very likely to have a right hemisphere that's much faster than the left hemisphere. And that's not something you find in people who are normally functioning. And the back of the head also tends to be faster than the front. So there are hundreds of those studies, and I can't tell you that we have the information from all of them, but the brain trainer assessment essentially uses a set of algorithms that scan through the data, the same data for eyes closed, eyes open for the the 1920 sites, and look for those patterns. Does this brain have a right side faster than the left side? Does this brain have, say, the beta ratios, which are above two with eyes open at CZ? Does this brain, sort of some of the things that Paul Swingle is doing too, the same, same sort of idea. Our approach is basically to find those patterns and then simply say, we aren't saying that this pattern caused the anxiety or that the anxiety caused this pattern. We don't know. There could be a third, a third issue that's involved. But we do know from experience that when you train the brain to reduce the fast activity on the right side, the anxiety gets better. In fact, in many cases, it goes away. Uh, and if you can get the brain to shift the theta to beta ratios on the left side, or if you have a person who's depressed, and we know that very likely there's going to be a lot of alpha in the left front with a, with a depressed person, if you can get that speeded up so it moves up into beta, the depression goes away and a whole bunch of other things get solved as well. My approach is to, to when somebody asks that is to say, I'm not a researcher. All I can do is work with the findings of researchers who do know what they're doing and who did things which are methodologically sound and published. And personally, from what I can tell, there is as good data, if not better data, for the things that we're doing with neurofeedback than there is for the medication. The benefit of neurofeedback is that if it has side effects, the side effects are almost always positive. You know, I've had people that come in and say, I want you to fix my kid's ADHD. So we start working with them on the ADHD 
And then they'll come in a few days later and say, this probably doesn't have anything to do with the training, but he's been wetting his bed as long as we've had him. And he stopped wetting his bed. He hasn't wet it for three days. It probably doesn't have anything to do with the training, right? <laughs> and I say, yeah, right. It just happened that it was at the same time. That's a side effect of the training for ADHD. I don't try to argue with physicians because they know everything because they're physicians. Otherwise, they wouldn't be physicians. So, you know, you're not going to change their opinion. But I have had a very interesting experience a couple of times of people who absolutely were telling their clients, this is bunk, it's not going to work, don't, you know, don't fool around with it, who then sent their wives with their kids to work with me and see what would happen. And, or, and many of the clinicians, the physicians who have gotten, who, who've worked with people that we worked with and saw the changes happen, those people become believers. But if you don't want to believe, if you believe that only medication is the only way to go, then there's no way to argue somebody out of that. Just have them watch uh, Dope Sick on Hulu. So a comment, and, and I think Jay would be okay with us sharing this because it's topical, but the reason he can't be here today is he's been working with somebody with intractable, quotes, epilepsy. In the last six months, things there hasn't been a, a seizure and it, symptoms are improving. So he had a chance to speak with the uh, epileptologist today that's been working with this person. And so, you know, on this idea of, you know, how do we get the word out? And how do we maybe get other fields to see the light, so to speak. Uh, Jay's, Jay's taking it on one epileptologist at a time. So there's that. Yep. The, the other, I guess, question I had for you, Pete, and I, I know you mentioned this when you were giving us your background, but you said you started doing brain training and you didn't really have any problems and good for you. Right. So first of all, but Laura and I, as she mentioned, we're both neuropsychs. You know, we don't see folks that don't have problems. That's not what our industry is built around. You know, we see folks that are um, experiencing difficulties or having trouble functioning in certain environments or et cetera, right? Are you seeing and is your you know, business or, or your focus around or does it address this also improvement? Just, you know, you don't have to, have to be the deficit model that we're so focused and biased as Laura said. It, it, you can just be okay and go, hey, I wonder if there's anything better. Are, are you guys also addressing that? Yeah, actually, the concept of, of whole brain training, which is, which is our system, is that there is, just as we have patterns, and so we can say, here's a pattern that is consistent with anxiety, here's a pattern that's, that's consistent with depression, there's also been a great deal of research done on what does a peak brain look like? What does a 25-year Zen meditator or a Top Gun pilot look like? How are their brains different from everybody else's? And so we can't pretty regularly, and you might have this as well, have people come to us and say, I want to train for peak performance. And I say, well, in one sense, all neurofeedback is peak performance training because it's going to improve your brain and move it in the right direction. But if you think that with the anxiety disorder that you have, or with the, the impulsiveness and so forth that you have, that you're going to be able to skip over that and just all of a sudden become a 25 years Zen meditator. No, that's not going to happen. So what we do first is we're going to see what patterns 
and instead of calling them pathologies, we call them habits, because if it's a habit, you're the only person that can change it. And since it is a habitual thing related to the way your brain operates, it's as much of a habit as it is a pathology. We say, let's look at those things and let's train those things and let's kind of clear the underbrush out. Those are all things that your brain learned to do based on its experience from the time you were in the womb up to today. Your brain is constantly responding to what's going on in the environment and it learns strategies. And because it's self-reinforcing, it keeps using the same strategies. Well, what we want to do is say, let's teach your brain that there are different ways that it could do things. And by doing that, we sort of get rid of some of the anxiety, get rid of some of the impulsiveness or the sleep issues or whatever else they were. But in each one of our training plans for, for almost everybody, there are five blocks. Each block trains a different set of things. And the fifth block is called deep states. So in the fifth block, you're always training to prepare the client for alpha theta and then to do an alpha theta session. Now, the fifth time in their fifth session, not much is going to happen in the alpha theta session. In the 10th session, it might not much happen. But as they go along and the other things begin to clear out, they begin to with default mode network training and with alpha theta, they begin to recognize that there is something beyond where they have been. After usually 25, 30, 35 sessions, when things have cleared to a large extent and they're establishing a new homeostasis in a more positive place, they then can continue training, especially if they've got the system at home, they can continue training to move into closer to the peak brain, the ability to, to go back and forth between open focus, I'm here in this moment, I'm not thinking, I'm not trying, I'm not judging, I'm not controlling, I'm aware of what's going on around me, and then I see something that I need to respond to, I shift into closed focus, I do that, and then I go back into open focus. That's what Sturman found with the Top Gun pilots. They could do it instantly. So if they had a task, they performed the task with bursts of beta. And then as soon as the task was over, they went back into a synchronous alpha state, maybe a synchronous alpha gamma state. He, didn't, he couldn't look at that at the time. Teaching people to do that, which we do with HEG, and also to get into that deeper place where, especially on the right side of the brain, which in our culture is not a very positive place. If we don't want to be on the right side, we want to be on the left. I don't know if you've ever read The Master and His Emissary, Ian McGilchrist, but that's an astonishing book. It's, it goes through the brain in great detail, but very understandable and shows that really the right side is the side of the brain, which is the, is the boss, it's the master. The left side is the emissary, but in our culture, we've made the left side into the master. And the whole digital universe is all about the left side. But when the, from the right side, you have access to the subconscious. 
and the subconscious has an effect, I think, a kind of an antenna that allows us to be in contact with things outside of ourselves, to have spiritual connections and so forth. So somebody that wants to can train all the way down that path. Somebody that just wants to be able to stop getting yelled at in the classroom and get the homework done in 20 minutes instead of four hours and stuff like that. Yes, we can train that person. And after 25 or 30 or 35 sessions, they're fine. A bunch of things have changed, but that's as far as they want to go. And by the way, I didn't mean to say that I didn't have any problems. I said that I didn't have any diagnoses. My wife would have told you that I definitely had some problems. The first time I was actually able to remember her birthday, she thought that was fantastic. She would always say, we've been married for X number of years, and I can't believe you still don't know my birthday. I'd say, baby, I know exactly when your birthday was. I just didn't know what today was. <laughs> we were working with you as, a, as an individual. Laura and I would be sure to interview your wife, too. Just know that. Yeah, we do that. We do that. So, Pete, how do you uh, recruit new uh, trainees? How, how do you market this? How do you get, how do you get the word out? We really don't. It's almost all word of mouth. We have a uh, we have a, a group called the Brain Trainer Group, which is just a, an email group that anybody can join. And so people come into that. They hear about us from somewhere. They come into that. It gives them a chance to hear us answering questions, uh, see what kind of questions people are asking, hear experiences from other people on the group who've just done something or had an experience or whatever. Then from that, we have the brain trainer, brain-trainer.com. It's actually everybody that I talk to who's a, a specialist in marketing says, you got to have a store. You don't have a store. You have a library and you got a little store over here on the side, but it's a resource for tons and tons of information about the brain. And we have a thing called brain trainer U which is a series of videos. There's a something like 15 or 18 course that's free. Each one of those is five to 10 minutes. And so people can join that and whenever they got time, they go on the internet and they can learn more about the brain, about how brain training works and all that kind of stuff. So then people have an option when they're on the website to say, I want to talk to somebody and then I will call them or one of the master trainers will call them, figure out what's going on with them, what their, what their goals are and so forth. Sometimes when I do that, I'll tell people, don't even think about this, really. I mean, you're talking about you have six adopted children, all of them have RAD, and you have ADHD. I don't think that's probably going to be a recipe for success unless you're willing to really train yourself first and when you're going to have time to do that. Find somebody that you can start working with. But in many cases, parent calls and they have an autistic child having worked with autism a fair amount when I was when I was in Atlanta. I know the difficulty of taking an autistic child out of the home into somebody's office where they've never been before, trying to put stuff on their heads when they're sensorily defensive and so forth. And it might be five or six or seven sessions before you can even begin training them. But if we can get the system into the house, and have mom be able to do a three-minute session two or three times a day, they they very quickly come up to speed and begin training. I've seen responses with autistic children that are just absolutely amazing, done by the mom without anybody supervising them. 
once they learned what to do and they, they, they learned the, the protocols, then they'll come back after maybe 15 or 20 and say, okay, the issues of control of the interface between the inside world and the outside world, we seem to be better there. Now the anxiety has risen to the surface. So let's change the training plan a little bit and focus on that. And then we'll focus on language processing and we'll focus on social skills, you know, that with somebody like autistic spectrum, you've got long, long runs like that. People who have serious head injuries, there's a tremendous benefit to being able to do multiple short sessions whenever you want to. You don't have to drive anywhere. You don't have to make appointments. You don't have to pay for the service or whatever. But people who just want to change themselves, you know, they just want to get better at something. They get interested. A lot of them buy directly on the site. I've never talked to them. Nobody's talked to them. But a lot of them will come and talk to one of us sometimes two or three times over two years before they get around to actually deciding that they want to go ahead. We've been, we're starting to try to get more of a presence on social media because I hate social media personally. So <laughs> I'm not the best person to, to go on to it. Uh, the only time I've ever been involved was when my, my wife set up an account for me and the only good thing that happened was that five of my ex-girlfriends found me. So she didn't think that was such a great idea that she had set it up. <laughs> only five. Yeah. Well, I think the rest of them are dead. You know, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the best way for people to learn more about you? Is it brain-trainer.com? Yeah. If you go there in the upper left-hand corner of the page where you have the social media uh, icons, there's one with an envelope. If you click on that, that will send a request for you to join the brain trainer list. And then, you know, you can start just sort of watching what's going on and listening to what people have to say and things like that. Our package right now is $3,400 for everything. That's hardware, software, training, the courses, support, all of that. And I think it's very possible that by the beginning of the year, it'll be below 3000 so we're really committed to the idea of making this accessible. And we have guy, a, a guy in South Africa that's looking at becoming a, a, a distributor there, which that's a continent other than South Africa, where we have a bunch of trainers and Israel, where we have a bunch. There's a huge amount of space there with a lot of people who could benefit from brain training and just there's no possible way for them to do it yet. But also going to the, the Brain Trainer U and going through that free course uh, called Intro to Brain Training. People tell me that they had no idea how simple it was until they went through that. And then after they've been training for four or five months, they go back and through and say, oh, my God, I had no idea how much of I missed the first time around. So there, there are a lot of good resources there. Just if, if you really have questions and want to talk to somebody, there's a place where you can say, I want to schedule a consult, somebody to get in touch with you and call at your convenience and chat with you about what you want to talk about, whether something might be helpful or not. Sounds, sounds like you got it all down, Peter. We're, we're keeping things going. We're having fun. Peter, thank you again for coming on the show. It was my pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. We thank you all for listening to Neuro Noodles, Neurofeedback, and Neuropsychology Podcasts. We'd like to thank our Patreon supporters, Outrageous Baking, Tort Talk, Interested Brain Hacker, Sadia M, 
Outrageousbaking.com, gluten-free, everyone loves, and TorTalk, TorTalk.se to discover how listening to text can increase the efficiency and reduce stress in your life. Hey, you got an idea for a topic? That's how we found Peter. Somebody emailed us, said, hey, get this guy on the show. We emailed him, and here we go. Isn't that how it went, uh, Peter? Yep, that's what it was. Boom. Well, please email Pete at neuronoodle.com or leave us a voicemail with a link in the podcast notes. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. And hey, if you really, really, really like us, you can buy us a coffee on Patreon slash Neuronoodle. We love our Patreon peeps. Cue the music. 